Seahawks Man to Man is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they are able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices of up to 60% off. The Seahawks will be at home Sunday, December 22nd. To get in the door at the lowest price possible and the best seats possible, be sure to check out Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets of up to 60% off. Oh, it's still there, you know, and, and it's cool because everybody like it. We still believe, you know, we still have the chance to write our own destiny, and we will. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Seahawks Man to Man. This is your boy Christopher Kidd. I'm out here in Seattle. Dugar is in LA. What you just heard was Shaquille Griffin talking about the Seahawks. Mike, man, can you expand on that just a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, Shaquille there was like echoing a sentiment that was uh, pretty prevalent across the whole like locker room. To, like, to be specific, they don't let us in the locker room because apparently it's too small. So they bring all the guys out into the like, tunnel. But, I mean, still, all the guys we talked to kind of said similar versions of that. Like, they lost today. They got whooped 28-12. to 12. The offense didn't score a point. Or, excuse me, the offense didn't score any touchdowns. That is awful. Their job is to score touchdowns. There's too many dudes on that side of the ball making too much money, who had too much time to prepare for a team that they've seen before and couldn't score any touchdowns. But the, the term control your destiny is like kind of an oxymoron. Um, well, maybe not oxymoron, but you know, it's, it's contradictory. I think Aaron mentioned this too when he was on with us during the bye week. Your destiny, you can't really control it because it's definitely what we call it destiny. But the point being, the Seahawks, if they win their games, they don't need anybody else to help them. They win, they get the, I think they at least get the two seeds. Guarantee if they win their next three games against Carolina, Arizona, and San Francisco. So, I mean, that's what a lot of the guys were focusing on afterwards. Because they, I, I get the sense that the guys know that this was a bad matchup, uh, which it was. But they also just kind of realize that you can't hang your head. You, you just can't. Like, their, their slogan is go 1-0 every week. They went 0-1 this week, but boom, as soon as you fly, land back home and you do Tell the Truth Monday, that's it. Now it's like, all right, cool, let's go 1-0 the next week. So for those wondering like how guys were feeling after, were they embarrassed, frustrated, disappointed? Yeah, all of those things. Maybe not embarrassed, uh, but they were definitely frustrated. They wanted to win. I don't think that they underestimated the Rams. I don't think the short week turnaround had anything to do with it. Shoot, they beat the Rams on four days turnaround last time. Uh or say maybe even less, but no, no, four days, four days. But I think uh, the main thing was that they got whooped by a team who had their number. And Chris, let me tell you, they had their number. So let's jump into this just just right away. The f- first off, the Seahawks blew a huge opportunity there. There was a lot of debate. You know, earlier in the week about who the Seahawks should be rooting for in that big game between the Saints and the 49ers. Uh, the argument for rooting for the 49ers was that the, it would make it would let the Seahawks have an easier road 
or maybe a clearer road, maybe not easier, a clearer road to uh, the number one overall seed in the NFC. Obviously, the Seahawks, if they get number, if they get home field throughout, increases the chance of going to Super Bowl. I get that part. The other argument, which I was in favor of, was you want the Saints to beat the 49ers because ultimately you want the 49ers to lose as many games as humanly possible. So you can win the division and you get that you get that uh, first round bye, hopefully. And once you get a bye, it's basically a crapshoot there, you know, in the playoffs. They just ruined all that. Like the 49ers obviously ended up winning that game. It was a really great game. They had a chance because the Seahawks did to go with the number one seed, you know, be right on back on top of the 49ers. And they just blew it, man. They blew it on national TV, man. They blew a lot of opportunities at things. The defense, you know, I, I feel like a lot of guys may have cost themselves uh, some money, especially some dudes up front, cost themselves some money on offense. You know, they really had a chance for Russ to kind of enter the, the MVP picture again, and he put up another stinker you know, on national TV. I think someone asked me about his MVP chances uh, a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, if you ball out on national TV, it changes things, especially for someone like Russ in this market. You need those national TV games. He put up a stinker. It's just, It was just an overall just like just a waste. It was a very wasted opportunity. And then in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter too much. You still win. You get what you want which is what Pete Carroll emphasized and what Russell did and Dwayne Brown and you know, everybody who can count <laughs> on the team. But overall, because I felt like I walked away from this game thinking, you know, they really just wasted an opportunity on a team that they're probably better than. And that's probably the, the, the most disappointing part about it from the Seahawks' perspective. Yeah, the two things that I got from what you just spoke about was the fact that they, haven't, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. The last time the Seahawks did that, was against Green Bay in 2017 when we just started the podcast. You remember that game, Mike, when Russ was getting torched by Mike Daniels, Clay Matthews, and they were just getting after him. Remember that game? Uh, Yeah, the first game of the year in 2017. Yep. Seahawks had three field goals, 3-6-9. They lost 17-9 to against the Packers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I, I do remember that. Yeah, no, that was that. – that is the game that produced that picture. That people see when they talk about the Seahawks <laughs> O-line. Yes. It's, and, and it's like, uh, it's Russ, and all you see are five Green Bay dudes, like, on him. Yeah. And like, that, that's that, that's where that uh, picture is from. Damn, yep. that's the last time they didn't score a touchdown? Offensive touchdown, yes. Oh, wow. That is that is pretty. Oh, that's right, because in the very next week, P. Rich caught their game-winning uh, touchdown against the Niners. There that was their go. only touchdown. Yeah, okay, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, no, this was this is ugly, but yeah, that's uh you gotta score a touchdown, man. Yeah, I am with you. That's like the biggest thing to look at in this game. And then the second part you mentioned, yeah, people rooting for the Saints, yeah, people rooting for the Niners. I got both sides as well. I was on the forty ers side rooting for them to win just because the Seahawks lost to the Saints earlier in the year and had the Seahawks won today, they'd be number one in the NFC. Which would be back to your point previously about having the road to the Super Bowl, that would be picture perfect you still got to win out because you do end up playing the same i mean not the Saints. you end up playing the 49ers in week 17 at the end of the year but at least in that situation let's say you lose one more game you would still hopefully have the better record but at this point now it's kind of up to the seahawks just to win out and hope hopefully they can beat the 49ers at home and you know the 49ers we saw that game today they look really good i mean you've been saying it pretty much for the past three and a half four weeks now since the Seahawks did ended up beating them, but after and now they have George Kittle, who looks to be 100% healthy, they look like a scary team. But not to get too ahead of ourselves, Sunday night just proved that the Seahawks are still a work in progress, and they still—I don't know if it's scary that they haven't played their best game yet, 
and we're going into week 15. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm interested to see how they respond. I mean, you did mention that a lot of the players in the locker room feel that, hey, we were getting a little high on ourselves and we needed this loss to bring us back to reality. Okay, let's see about that going into the next game because tonight it wasn't there. Offensively, the Seahawks looked terrible, in my opinion. They didn't show anything. The run game, Chris Carson said, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, really, was it? I mean, the Rams, sure, you want to run the ball down 21-3? Be my guest. <laughs> they're they're not going to worry about you guys breaking loose, especially when you're down 21-3 in the third quarter. And then the defense in the first half, they were pretty bad. But in the second half, they were able to step up. They gave the Seahawks offense three opportunities to get points, and they had three and outs, and that's not acceptable. I think that really hurt the Seahawks' chances because they the what-if scenario was through the roof. You see that they get the special teams blocked by Rasheem Green there. That was huge. They forced two interceptions. Quandre Diggs, Shaquille Griffin with great pressure. I mean, tonight it w- or Sunday night was just a just a letdown, in my opinion, for the most part. I thought the Seahawks didn't look too prepared for the game. I know they didn't have a full week of practice. It was a short week, I guess you could say, but the Rams didn't care. They came out, and they showed that they wanted it more. See, here, here's, here's the other thing, too. Um I'm iffy on the one wanted it more. If they, I don't know. Like, were they more desperate? I'm, I'm not sure. Like, Shaquille mentioned that the, the, the team might not have their foot on the gas, but there were some other guys who refuted that notion. Not They weren't, like, presented with, hey, Shaq said this. What do you say? Like, they just didn't – they weren't vibing with that. And when that was presented to them, I think Bobby was like, nah. I think Jay and Reed was like, nah. So take for that what you, what you will. They wanted to win. They felt prepared. Um, so I will say this on the preparation thing. So – I remember I said that they have their number, right? And this, this is important. I don't want to go too long on it, but it's kind of my general takeaway from playing the Rams. The Rams are just a bad matchup for the Seahawks, and I think it has to do with, with coaching and scheme more than anything else. I think, in general, Wade Phillips and uh, – yeah, Wade's still calling the defense over there, right? Yes, that's over correct. There. Yeah, yeah. Wade Phillips and Sean McVay are better at their jobs in this matchup than – Ryan Schottenheimer and, and Ken Norton are in their matchups. I know you're thinking they split, Mike. Can't be that bad. Yes, it can. If, if, if Listen here. The Seahawks were one never kick away from losing to the Rams after they put up a bunch of yards on them You know, in week, in week five. But let's, let's start with the defense here. I knew the Rams would be able to move the ball on them. I did not buy the whole thing. I wrote this in my preview, uh, too, on our most intriguing games of the week thing I do every week uh, for the Athletic. I don't care how how bad Jared Goff looks. I just don't. I really do not. He is able to look good against the Seahawks, and he always has under Sean McVay. Like you cannot ignore that. You just really you you, you can't. And it's a matchup thing. Like I think the Seahawks are really doomed the minute Sean McVay rolled into the Coliseum on Sunday. He just has them figured out. Like everything the Seahawks thought they were ready for. The Rams were able to do it and then make like little adjustments and then be able to fix it. Like they were able to like cut their routes off kind of short. I think Shaq was talking about this too. They were able to like manipulate their routes, you know, get open in ways that they hadn't seen on tape. They were able to uh, use their tempo uh, a, a lot more. They were able to like get the the uh, the Seahawks moving one way and then running the play back the other way with all their misdirection uh, and boots. They were just every. It wasn't anything necessarily new. I didn't do a ton new, according to all the defensive players I talked to. 
didn't do anything new. They were just doing it. They were just adjusting to their adjustments. And they did that from the very beginning. And it just was, it was a mess. You guys all saw that. And now, this is why I also say it was just really just McVay just getting busy on Ken Norton and Pete because it's their defense. In the third quarter, Chris, you mentioned the big plays that Quandre made and just the whole defense is making. The Seahawks were definitely getting their hands on balls. They were pressuring Jared Goff. They were making him look like the Jared Goff that he had been in the month of November when he was god-awful, looked like he wasn't any better than like a Rex Grossman. I don't even think he threw a touchdown in the month of November, right? So they got him looking like that. They got pressure on him. Uh, they had make him make some errant throws. It was perfect Seahawks football. All right, so what did Sean McVay do? He's like, okay, cool. They're sending pressure. Let's move the pocket. We do bootleg, boom, Tyler Higgins, 30 yards. Oh, let me do that again, bootleg, boom, play action. Oh, yep, here's Robert Woods for 20 yards. Oh, okay, boom, we are, we across midfield now. Time for these fly sweeps, bang, bang, bang. Oh, they haven't figured out how to guard our fly sweep? All right, cool, yep, boom, boom, boom. Now it's now it's ball game, right? He adjusted to Ken Norton's adjustment with the dime package and the, and the pressure. He adjusted with that by taking the ball out of Jared Goff's hands and allowing him to make some easy throws when he did have to throw. I'm telling you, man, this was a Sean, this Sean McVay dude. He, he may not be a genius. I don't know if he's a genius. Really handsome. Not sure if he's a genius. He sure as hell is a genius when he plays the Seahawks. And when you're when you're looking at go one and no every week, all you can look at is how your this team matches up against you. Like you mentioned how good the 49ers looked at you then and beating the Saints and how good actually the Saints look too, at least offensively. I don't think any team is as good or as bad as they were the week before. Like when you're looking at whether they'll play the Seahawks that week, like I don't think Carolina is as bad as they, you know, they were, you know, just against the Falcons. Or if they blow the Falcons out, I don't think they were as good as they were. You know, if that makes sense, like everything is about how your team matches up against the the opponent. And then the flip side of that, Tris, has has Shadi never seen no cover two looks before? pre-snap has mm. Russ never seen that have the receivers never seen that O-line don't know how to block long enough for guys to to see that Russ don't know how to get rid of the ball the offense just can't explode anymore and it is it is just tragically tragically bad and just Wade Phillips is just comfortable to let his dude sit there and these two safe two high safety looks and there's just no deep balls no threats how's the team answer this for me Chris I know I'm not usually the one answering the questions here Asking the question, answer this for me. How does a team with Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf not have a downfield passing game at this point of season? How does that happen? I'll be honest. I mean, they had opportunities tonight, and Russ missed DK twice, wide open over the middle. I don't know. When he goes back in film and watches it, he's going to kick himself because DK was wide open on two plays. Chris Collinsworth, he mentioned it. I saw it, and I'm thinking, man. And you force it to someone that's not open, i.e. Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I, I, I really I, don't. It was a, this was a bad Russ game. We've gotten some was. bad Russ games here in a row. Like Russ he, wasn't good against the Vikings. I think he was okay. He was okay. He wasn't good against Philly. He just wasn't missing throws. He missed a, a gimme touchdown that he never misses. He was okay against the Forty ers He was good enough. Made enough plays. Uh, who else am I missing? Philly. Vikings, yeah, no, and then wasn't good today. I mean, he's holding on to how many times has he been sacked in the past like month? Like, what? I think eighteen. I want to say eighteen times uh, in the past four games, and obviously some of that's protection as well. Yeah, but, but today you know, he he held on to it too long, man. There were plays where I'm watching, I'm thinking, oh, Rush, you gotta get rid of it now. And next thing you know, two or three guys jumping on top of him, loss of twelve, loss of six, penalties. 
I mean, it just the offense today wasn't ready. They didn't look. It just it was just a bad. It was just bad all around. Yeah, and the pass protection, to be honest, has been pretty bad uh, a lot of the time, a lot of the season. Even when Russ was lighting it up, he was doing so, you know, with some bad, some pretty like shoddy pass protection. Uh, and some of that is on him too. Like he can't. He's only had one game this year where he hasn't taken a sack. And when I say the phrase "taking a sack," yeah, that's some of that is on him too. You gotta get rid of the ball. You know, even Pete Carroll, I think I asked him today. I was like, "Hey, man, why do you think the pass game ain't you know where it's where it should be?" And part of his answer was like, "You know, he kind of said I don't know," and then kind of rambled a little bit. But part of his answer was like, "Yo, man, I mean, it looks like sometimes Russ got to get rid of the ball, man. Like, you know, like the, the we got to do better in the backfield. He he pointed to the backfield." And that's where I'm going with it, too. I know some people are wondering about the receivers and everything. When we can't, like, even I am not, like, glued to the receivers on any given play, even with my bird's eye view. Like, we're looking in the backfield. In the backfield, the guy who's touching the ball was MVP. He ain't looking too hot lately. And the guys up front, they're getting beat, too. You know, so it was just a collective failure from coach to quarterback to front line. Just everything was just bang, 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 bad. On offense, and that's like some of that's a credit to Wade, and some of that's a credit to uh, or you know, the blame goes to the, those guys on, on offense because, yeah, that come on, Chris, he can't not score no touchdowns, man. How the defense score a touchdown, you don't like what, what in the world, man? That's 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 inexcusable, yeah. And back to my point about the defense giving the Seahawks offense opportunity to go score points, they just could never get the ball rolling. Things, I mean, Hollister drops a huge third down pass. Malik Turner drops that huge fourth and one. I mean, these are things that you have to convert in order to win games. And unfortunately, you know what? That's that's true too. I'm glad you mentioned those guys. I forgot. Yeah, because the receiver did not help Russ in some situations too. Those were two very big ones where they they didn't help Russ. I'm glad you mentioned those. Oh yeah, I mean, twenty-one three. The Seahawks are they have an opportunity to put up points. Granted, I understand why they went for it. I thought they should have gone for it as well. And with the game, I mean, let's say if it's twenty, if it's if it's seven to three, okay, I get. Or actually, if it's fourteen to three, I get it. The Seahawks take the field goal, but in this situation, it's twenty-one three. <laughs> you can't afford to go down any more points. For one, you got to catch the ball. I thought the play call was great. I saw a couple people people tweeting, "Why even throw at Ramsey?" Well, first of all, Malik Turns has to catch the ball. This is not Ramsey had no effect on that play. He was just there. If he catches it. He's just tackled. That's it. There's not that there was nothing else he could have done. The league has to hang on to it. And then Hollister, he knows he dropped one too. He was upset. And those plays really came back to haunt the Seahawks. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but that's what I got from it. I mean, DK, I think he played a pretty solid game. Josh Gordon, unfortunately, on a big third down, he just slips and falls. I mean, those are plays that Seahawks usually make, but on Sunday night, for whatever reason, it just didn't go their way. Uh yeah no it was a, it was a lot of letdown uh from 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 all over man it was the the coaching the the players the coaching part of offense is really just disrupt disturbing too along along with uh you know the execution like when I when I say that like Tyler Lockett I asked him and some people saw this on TV as well I said hey man can you get back downfield you know get more explosive he's like we can't we just haven't been doing that we haven't mm. been calling plays to get explosive. You know, because the defense has been taking away the deep ball, so we've been just taking what they're giving us and running it. That's fine to an extent. Because you do have to take what the defense gives you. At the same time, that's what the, it's like the question I ask you. How do you not get downfield with, with those type of guys, man? That's just, to me, that's just, that's a poor excuse. Whether that's shoddy, whether that's rust, 
I don't know. They have to they have to figure that out. You know, DK mentioned they've been playing a lot of two shell. It's like, dude, y'all got to figure that, that figure that out, man. That's just that's 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 bad, man. I don't even know how to proceed other than just being like, yeah, that's everyone. Everyone was a letdown, man. The defense, the defense did they part in the second half to get the team the ball back? Yeah, like, I think their first few drives were interception. Well, that's a touchdown, but interception, interception, block field goal, and then forced a three and out. Like, offense needs to capitalize on those things. So, yeah, it, it, just terrible, terrible, terribly disappointing for the Seahawks uh, to put up a showing like that on, on primetime, man. What a what a waste. Well, we have given our piece. Let's give our listeners a chance to give their side and ask us a few questions. It's that time. Are you ready, Mike? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's my favorite part of the show. I know some people probably read a lot of questions about a lot of stuff after a loss, like after a beatdown, man. They usually don't get beat down. They've been beat down a few times this year now, man. This is troubling. Let's talk about it. Before we get into Twitter questions, let's pay some quick bills. Has it been a long day in the classroom? Are you still looking for that meal that you deserve after you just killed that final? Well, we have you covered with DoorDash. Ordering is quite easy. Just open the DoorDash app. Choose the restaurant, done deal. Again, that's DoorDash. Connect you to your favorite restaurant wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code HAWKS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code HAWKS. Don't forget that's promo code HAWKS for five dollars off your first order from doordash all right let's get into it twitter questions our first question is from jc wicklin at jwicklin03 who takes the l for all the sacks tonight russ the o-line or shoddy really good question I'm going to go with Russ and the o-line as a combination like Russ if Russ isn't seeing what he needs to see you gotta give it the ball Pretty simple. It was a few of those where it looks like he could have just took off up the, you know, you know, into the, the, the lanes instead of like backpedaling and all that stuff. So I would say some of that's on Russ, and then some of that, man, is just yeah, I think like Jermaine got beat. I think Dwayne and Ayu Potty had a miscommunication. There was just a lot of just, everyone was breaking down, man. It just wasn't it wasn't great. But I would I would place more of the protection. On uh on Russ and the whole line like they're in charge of the protection. It feels like a lot more than than Shotty is. All right, perfect. Next up, we have Rico Connects at Rico Connects. When is someone gonna critically analyze Shotty's shortcoming and make actionable critiques? Well, hey man, we've been critiquing Shotty on this show for a minute now. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. He he been man. Uh, but I w- I will say this: we're gonna learn a lot about Shotty in the last few games. We really are. Because right now, what it sounds like they're doing is being comfortable, like, running the ball, kind of, like, dinking it a little bit, checking it down, keeping everything underneath. With the occasional deep shot, if it, if it comes. But I think, like, that, and that's and that, that can be fine. Like, it worked against the Vikings. It really did. It also helps when you get a blown coverage for, like, a 60-yard touchdown. And that can work. But you can't let people completely take away your downfield threat. Like, it still has to be there. It has to be. Like, yeah, you. There's, there has to be some level of taking what the defense gives you, and I understand why Shadi is doing that. That is what you do in mostly every sport, I would imagine. 
I know that's what you do in basketball, and that's where I specialize. I know you do that in basketball. Take what they give In football, I'm sure you do that as well. At the same time, you can't just be like, all right, we're going to ground and pound it out. No, you got to be able to still stretch it. You have to. So, I, I mean, yeah, let's point it out now. I don't know what an actionable critique would be. Like, I don't, I don't think he should be fired. Because I think they have the tools there, and he's a, I think he's a good enough mind to figure it out. But I'm questioning it. I definitely am questioning it after these last few weeks where they haven't been able to, like, protect their quarterback. They haven't been able to get nothing downfield. And it's, uh, I mean, a lot of that's got to fall on the dude calling the shots. All right. Next up, we have two questions here. First part, y'all should do a live pod sometime. Thoughts? And then his second part. The offense has stagnated the last three to four weeks. What's the solution? Seems like Pete's philosophy will stagnate the offense as long as we don't have the one-two punch of Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. To be fair, I think they've only had the one-two punch in the one game. But they both had been playing well in like alternating games and then put it together in one game, and it was great. You know, And I still think that would be great. It sounds like Rashad's probably done for the year. Um, now, however... Um, I will say this. I don't think the I've always been critical of the philosophy. I think that the philosophy they should be they should have built a team that can pass block. Like that should have been the like how you build your O line probably, and then you should you should work from the, like kind of the reverse, kind of like how Wazoo kind of does. I know it's a bad example. We just got our butt kicked in the Apple Cup, but it's kind of like okay, cool. We're gonna throw it on you, and that'll open up the run game. And then it kind of goes that way. The, the Seahawks do it in reverse. I'm not a big fan of it, but it can work if you do it at a high level, which they've proven they can do. I don't think the philosophy is the biggest issue. Um, I think part of it, I think a big part of it, to be honest, is the protection and the decision-making from Russ. The protection is not good. You can tell he's not trusting it. He's not taking off and getting yards when he can, too. He's, like, backpedaling and trying to, like, make a play happen downfield, like, on like a, basically a scramble which you really just can't do man he's not evading people like he used to like he's not really escaping traffic and making those like magical plays anymore people are figuring out ways to bottle him up uh, so i'm not sure what like the foolproof solution is uh there's a lot that needs to be to be fixed man but it it really starts with being able to stretch the field again like that i can't i can't stress how important that is because they're always going to be able to run the ball but you have to like make dk a threat Make Tyler a threat. Oh, they got Josh Gordon, bro. Make him a threat. Everyone should be able to stretch the field. I mean, David Moore can stretch the field. Like, it's inexcusable to not be have an explosive passing game with all those guys and then Russell Wilson. And then that first part, doing a live podcast. What are, the, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, you guys got to let us know, man. I, if y'all would come to a live show, we'll, we'll reach out to the powers that be and, and make it happen. It could be fun. Maybe, maybe if the Seahawks get that by, in the playoffs, we could do one that week, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That that week uh, that they kind of have off. Maybe we could do that, but you guys got to let us know that y'all would show up, man, because we, <laughs> we can't do one in front of five of y'all. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we got to have an audience of some sort, so that, that, that'd be tight. And maybe maybe if we get enough people who be down for it, we can get a player, too. Maybe I can squeeze, maybe get Shaq or Bobby or Tyler or somebody on their KJ or something. So you guys got to let us know. Because we would love to do something like that. But, you know, like I said, we can't do it for like half a dozen. We need to do, we need, we need a crowd. There so that'd go. be tight if we could make it happen. Shout out, Mark, for those questions there. Next up, we have Old St. Drip at NKDD96. What up, man? Appreciate the love. What is it about the Rams that seems to give the Seahawks trouble? 
even when Fisher was the head coach, they seemed like the boogeyman. And Mike, you kind of mentioned it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the Fisher thing was completely different. Yeah, Jeff Fisher had voodoo. I don't know if he had like naked pictures of Pete Carroll from high school or something like that. I don't know. He had <laughs> something over Pete Carroll that is different from what McVay has. McVay is using his mind. He has figured out the adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment on Pete Carroll. Like Pete's never been able to stop this guy. One time they held him like a like a regular game. It was in that October game of 2017, and that had the Legion of Boom. So I don't know how much of that was just Pete or the fact that a team with Earl, Cam, and Sherm is just hard to beat no matter what, right? So there's that. So I think that's the biggest part of it. Like the offensive part, I think Shotty just had a bad day, and the offense they executed poorly. As much as it, you know, Russ had a bad day, O line had a bad day, receivers had drops. It was just an overall bad day. That was more specific to this game, whereas I think the defensive issues are a bit more like chronic. Like those things are recurring. Those things keep happening. There's nothing that they can do to stop the Rams consistently. Nothing. They have shown me nothing. Whereas Shadi's proven he can put up some points against these guys. That's a little different. Shadi, Shadi in the offense just kind of had an off day. The matchup in general is bad for the defense. So if that makes sense, uh, yeah, that's how I would kind of look at that. Perfect. Next up, Dave Sayers at Sayers 8. What was worse, the loss or the mariachi band or the delay of game for cheerleaders on the field? Okay, real quick. I know that it sounded like they didn't show this on TV, but during, I think, the end of the first quarter, they had a mariachi band. This dude was doing Tupac's verse. I think it was his first verse on California Love. That was god awful. I mean, it was some of the worst stuff I've ever heard in my life, man. Like, you know, you know, if you guys don't know the California Love, like, as soon as I step up, you know, uh, fresh out of jail, you know, I can't really rap a lot of it because, you know, on the podcast and all that. But it was terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It was like an even worse version. If you guys remember Rush Hour 2, when uh, the, the dude is like destroying the Michael Jackson song, the, uh, the Asian cat. Oh, Chris Tucker's like, oh, no. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That. It sounded like that, but worse. And it was so bad. Like, that was the worst thing ever. That was terrible. Well, there you have it. <laughs> All right, next up, we have Genesis Rift at Zach Yojin. What up, man? Appreciate the love. What's your guys' pie chart of blame for this loss? Also, what are the keys to finishing this season strong? Okay, so I think the keys, the keys are kind of, we've been hinting at them. You got to be able to stretch the field. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. I know we probably haven't talked about that enough today. I know there's this, like, no one likes the base defense. Everyone wants more nickel and more sub packages. I hear you. I do. There is no personnel package to substitute for pass rush you need a pass rush no matter if you have eight dbs on the field or one db on the field you need to be able to get to the quarterback with some consistency or you will lose games against good teams point blank period i don't care if it's michael kendricks cody barton Kim King, Ugo, Lano Hill, Marquise Blair. Does not matter what sub packages you use, whether you're in base, whatever. If you do not rush the passer with consistency, I'm talking about just get pressure. You don't need sacks. If you do not pressure the quarterback with your defensive line without blitzing, you will not be a good team. Again, we will not consistently beat good teams. You just will not. You beat them here and there. You won't consistently beat the good teams. 
You just won't. That's just a fact. Point blank. Period. That so stretch the field of offense. Yes, you have to get pressure. You got to get. You can't let anybody. Golf stinks, right? But you can't let him sit back there and pick you apart because he will pick you apart. Everyone will do that. Dalton will do that. Tannehill will do that. Kirk Cousins will do that. Any Marcus Mitchell Trubisky could pick you pick you apart if you let him just stand there and do it. You know, without any pressure, have to get pressure. And then that first part, Mike. He wants to know. Oh, what? the pie chart. Yes. Uh, okay, so we went through this. You got the math on that, Chris? We did this before we went on too. Cause I want to make sure my math is right. Yes. Whenever you're ready. It was. What was it? Thirty percent to the Rams. Correct. Fifteen uh, percent to Shadi and Russ. Yep. Uh, let's see. Fifteen percent to the D line. That's at sixty, and then you gave twenty-five. Who did I get twenty-five to? I can't remember. It was, wasn't it to the, to the defense? Oh, uh, oh, Ken Norton. Okay, yeah, I was close. Ken Norton, and then the last 15, oh, man. Oh, that's going to bug me. We had this all, ah, I should have written, I should have written this down. That makes two of us. (laughs) Definitely Ken, Ken Norton. Got to give some credit to Sean McVay and the Rams. Definitely give some blame to Russ and Shoddy. Oh, maybe the O line. No, did I get the O line and the D line? Mm, no. Okay, definitely the D line and some of the O line too. Like that's where the that's where the rest of the, it should go. Like it really is up front, man. It really is up front, and it's Russ, you know, too. Like it's it's, it's all those things, right? There's a whole chart. You know, that, that's kind of how I would break it up. I would give some credit to the Rams because you have to. Uh, but then, like, Norton fell short. Pete fell short. The players, I don't think, were in a lot of positions to make a bunch of plays, at least not consistently. That was pretty. And then the D-line just didn't show up. Didn't get no pressure. No pressure. No sacks. What's that, back-to-back weeks with no sacks? Come on, man. Who do you expect to beat with no sacks? Those are, these are teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Minnesota and oh, L.A. probably won't be. But, like... You can't beat these guys without getting to the quarterback, man. You have to. No lie there. That's what more can you ask for, man? All right. Next up, we have Thomas B. Sun at Lil Taco Twenty One. What is up, man? What was the key for the deficiency in the offense tonight? Was it something the Rams were doing on defense, or was it more the Seahawks not properly executing? I.e., the drop from Hollister. Hashtag Go Cougs. Hashtag Never Kick. Hey, I like all them hashtags right there, baby. Going to the cheese it Oh, I love cheese its uh, Go Cougs. Uh, yeah, now we've, we've touched on that uh, a little bit. Uh, a little taco. Very regular uh, listener. Appreciate the love. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's everything. It's everything. It's execution. Bad. Game plan. Bad. The game plan was like very similar to, rent to the Vikings. It's like, all right, we're going to pound it. We're going to pound it. We're going to pound it. We're going to try to go downfield. And it really was – it didn't go downfield a lot in either game other than, like, the, like I said, the broken play against the Vikings. So, I think there was, like, a couple downfield throws today, but nothing like – I mean, Russ threw another pick. The Russ got to stop turning the ball over. I mean, I was crediting Russ before when he was on the MVP run for – who was that, like 22 touchdowns, one pick, 23-1 and one, or something like that. Now he's throwing a pick in four of the last games. You know, it's like, come on, man, what's wrong with you? You can't – you can't – you can't do that. So, I think that – it was everything you mentioned, brother. That was it. Was all of it, and then some. Yeah, 
the accuracy there. All right, next up. All right. This is, hold up, because you sent a second part. All right. I missed the game. How would you summarize the effort of the team? I've had a feeling all year that this team lacks a killer instinct. No, they don't lack a killer instinct. The effort was really there, I think. I think that the execution was just poor. Like maybe they didn't have a ton of energy on D to start, but that's what happens when you're just getting ran on. Like when you're getting beat, like how much energy energy does anyone have when they're losing a fight? You know what I'm saying? Like think about it that way. When you think about like energy and enthusiasm and effort and whatever, like how much? Like yeah, they showed some fight. I thought they showed a bunch of fight, but it's just like when you're not executing. I think that's when people who like judge your enthusiasm or your effort or like like you know how people like oh this guy plays hard. Yeah, they, they do. They do it in basketball too. Like, oh, that guy plays hard. It's just like, man, what are you really looking at? Are you looking at their production? Because like that means just means they produce. There's plenty of dudes that they're playing hard who suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> for real. Let's put it. You know, like for example, I'll say someone like uh, I don't think Jermaine Defetti sucks, but everyone thinks Jermaine Defetti sucks. So I'll use Jermaine Defetti as an example here. Does anyone think? Does anyone who thinks Jermaine Defetti sucks? They think that he sucks because he's not playing hard. Seriously, play it that way. There's plenty of people out there playing hard. If you're not, if you're not good at what you're doing, it doesn't matter how hard you play. I think, for the most part, some positions may be a little different than others. But I mean, I think playing the the effort thing is hard to gauge because I think it's so production based. You know, I mean, obviously you can tell someone lets up on a play or doesn't go for the ball or stuff like that, like obvious stuff. But in general. How are we really gauging the effort? Is it production based? You know, like I think that's a weird thing we do in sports. Playing hard is like I want to say it's overrated, but like how are we really gauging it? You know, that that's my thing. I think their effort was fine; it just got beat up on. Next up, we have Sean Kramer, the homie. What's up, man? At S Kramer writes: Is the lack of talent depth at receiver starting to become apparent with Lockett not operating at 100% health? DK seems like he'll be good, but there's still some things he's got to grow at. Russ didn't have windows today. Um, I don't think the depth is an issue. I think they have playmakers. Like, do they have a bunch of pro bowlers on their team? Do they get, Are they going to compete for having the deepest receiving core? No. But I think they have enough playmakers to get it done. Like, Hollister's a capable enough cat. You know, Josh Gordon's obviously talented. Tyler Lockett's obviously talented. Even if he's not 100%, by the way, he claims that he is. And he'll, he'll probably get feisty with you if you assume that he's not. Uh, he did with the reporter after the game. Uh, subtly, but in a Tyler Lockett type of way. Um, I mean, DK is fine. DK caught all of his targets today. Um, so, I mean, I think they have capable players. David Moore just caught a bomb last week. Like, David Moore is a very capable player, too. Malik's made big catches. That flea flicker was huge. They probably lose the Philly game if he doesn't make that play. You know, they probably lose to the Niners if he doesn't make some big catches. You know, so, I mean, Malik's, Malik's a capable. They have talent. I don't think it's – depth is not really their their big issue. Their number four receiver is Josh Gordon. Like, like depth, depth isn't the issue there. Uh I think it's more of a, a lack of execution, and they can't. And Russ is not being like really sharp with his decisions. He, he's just not like when he does let it fly. You know, he's he's making like accurate throws. Accuracy is not really a huge issue for Russ. It's just a matter of the decisions. The decisions haven't been very sharp. Haven't been crisp. He's not, he's holding on to the ball. Uh, he's missing open open guys. Like in terms of not seeing them, it's a uh, it's definitely not. The whole thing is out of whack right now. All right. Next up, 
We have James Jang 23. What up, James? Tyler Lockett is not right. Do you think the Seahawks need to sign Antonio Brown? Thank you. Okay, again, I ain't going to be the one to say Tyler ain't right because he ain't going to be yelling at me. You know, he just ain't. Uh, should they sign Antonio Brown? I mean, sure, if you can get the best receiver in the league for like 500 bucks, I don't care if he is half cuckoo. As long as he shows up to work and ain't in jail, yeah, he's sent. Uh, but I don't think they need to. No. They, like I said, they got the playmakers. They got the playmakers. I think that's why I'm disappointed in the coach because uh, I know they have the talent. DK is talented. Tyler is talented. Josh Gordon is talented. Jacob Hollister is talented. David Moore is talented. Malik Turner is talented. We know they got talent. I ain't mentioned Jerron Brown, who's also talented. The receivers are there. Uh, they just got to make it happen. Like, t- Tom Brady would love to have this receiving core. <laughs> His receivers stink. <laughs> and, you know, and they're, and they're still getting it done. I know they lost to the uh, they lost to the Chiefs on Sunday. But even then, like, they this this receiving core is better than a lot of other teams, I think. And they're just not. I mean, Kirk is getting it done with just Stephon Diggs. You know, so, I mean, he got Rudolph. But, like, how much better is Rudolph than Jacob Hollister from a talent perspective? Probably not a ton, right? So, or... Yeah, actually, I'll just stand on that statement. So, yeah, that that that's my answer to that. All right, last question comes from at Elliot underscore Greason. Russell Wilson catchphrases. Where was our damn pass rush? Did they go out for drinks and forget we had a game? Uh, okay, yes, I think so. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> uh, the, the real uh, the pass rush is the biggest issue. Like I talked about a little earlier, uh, I do think that part of what happens with the Seahawks is they are so committed to stopping the run, especially on the outside, like the jet sweeps and stuff like that. You know, and just in general, committed to stopping Gurley and whatever he does. That they the guys on the edges are kind of like playing a lot more contained. I think instead of just like letting loose and getting to the passer. Uh, a lot so I think that's been a problem and they haven't been able to like really rush the way they'd like to uh, and I think the scheme with the uh, with the Rams has been really good they did a lot they did a really good job on Clowney today they, I think for the most part they used to do a really good job on Frank I'm not sure their numbers on Mike B but I don't think he played that many games against McVay uh, so in general I think there's some scheme stuff there but I think part of it is they're so committed to stopping the run that there's not many opportunities to get to the passer and then when there are in like those obvious third downs McVay is just such a good schemer against you know Norton that he's uh he's beating him up I think that's why he eventually needs to send pressure so I think the pass rush will be better against Carolina I think it'll be better against Arizona it'll probably be better against San Francisco you know but the thing is in this matchup yeah it looked like they just didn't they yeah, it looked like they were at the strip club or something instead of at the game. It was it was bad. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for asking questions. We appreciate the love and support. Mike, we need a hot take, man. There's a lot going on in the NFL. What do you have as a hot take before we get out of here? I think New Orleans having the number one seed is not scary. I think they, anyone could go into New Orleans and beat them. I, I, oh, well, I guess the Niners have it right now, so maybe that's a moot a point. But – I mean, the Niners, the same thing. Anyone can go into any of these stadiums and win. I really don't. I, yes, that includes Dallas. I think Dallas could go to New Orleans and win a game. It's not impossible. Is, it's, is it unlikely? Sure, man. But even in that scenario, like if let's say Dallas had to place, you know, at San Fran or at New Orleans or something like that in the playoff. In that scenario, they would have already beaten either Seattle or a San Fran 
you know, in what would have been a huge upset. So if they get to that point, they've already done something you didn't think they could do. That's because in the playoffs, it's any given Sunday. It's when I go home. We learn who's real, like, really about it, about it, and who's not. So I think – I don't want to say the number one seed is overrated, but uh, it's because it's not. It's very valuable. It's the most valuable thing, you know, in the league is the number one seed, I think. However, I think people are making – uh, we're making too much of that when really the, the division is what you want because any team can go to one place and win one game. Right? Anyone could have gone into New Orleans and got a win. Just like anyone can go to San Fran and get a win. Like get uh, get the two seed. Get you know get the buy. Get the guaranteed buy. No matter what seed it is, get the buy. Win the division, get the buy. That is the most important thing. I think people really overestimate that. Anyone can go anywhere uh, and win one game. You know, the two seed is just as valuable in that regard. You just assume, people are assuming that it's going to come down to the two playing at the one, which I think that's a bad assumption. That's why the two is okay, because it guarantees that buy. Just get the buy and let everything work itself out. All right. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I just had to get that off. No, that's perfect, man. We want to thank everybody for tuning in for the latest episode of Seahawks Man to Man Podcast. Be sure to follow us both on Twitter. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Mike, man, where can they follow you before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, just real quick, shout out to all you guys and uh, sending in questions. We do appreciate the love always. We really like there is no show without you guys listening and giving the feedback and everything and sending in the questions. So please continue to do so. We really, 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 really appreciate it. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike Dubar. And you can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. Other than that, we will catch you later. We out. Time to